evangelism, when you hear that word, or outreach, or sharing your faith, some of you today are probably already feeling that your seat is not as comfortable as you'd like it to be. You're going, oh, why can't we do a message about loving people? I can do that at least some of the time. Or, or, or how I can do something really easy that I'm already doing. Like, but sharing our faith at times, as I said before, it can really produce a lot of mixed re- reactions, mixed emotions in us. Um, and it can cause a lot of anxiety for some of us. Anyone ever felt a little bit anxious about sharing their faith? So some people, it looks like they're fine with it. Um, some people are, are a little bit anxious. Um, sometimes we get images of um, going around knocking on people's doors and sort of opening up and we all of a sudden we go, oh, um, do you know about Jesus? And like the thing is we can just imagine as that door opens up and maybe it's a really tall person with a really big dog and, and, um, and you go, oh, I don't want to say anything right now. Like, um, or or you just, even with friends and family, you go, you don't want them to react badly. So do I say something, not say something? And I'm, I don't know about you, but I can think of times when I've either tried to share my faith or I have and it's just, it seemed to have gone really badly. And you just sort of shake your head and go, or you walk away and go, oh, that was the, what I was wanting to say. Like, or you, you forget a whole little bit of, bit of, oh, yeah, you're a sinner, and, and you forget to say God loves you and you're forgiven. Like, you just, you basically feels like you're just pouring hate on the person. Um, and so sometimes we get in the position where we, we put ourselves under so much pressure when it comes to sharing our faith that we either see ourselves as maybe only talking to strangers or having to go to a different country or, or feeling like you're, you're a reluctant recruitment officer for the church or you have to learn a great way to be able to market and sell the product, which is Jesus. Um, I think sometimes we, we feel that, okay, if I go to this class and I get that information, all of a sudden everything else will flow. When we go, we do steps one and two and all of a sudden we get to step three and go, it's still not working. It's still not happening the way I want. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit from a a book um, um, called Surprise Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And he actually puts it this way. When a gifted evangelist tells the rest of us that we should behave like gifted evangelists too, it has a debilitating effect. We look at confident, articulate, theologically trained evangelists preaching in our churches and hear their stories of sharing the gospel on the back of a napkin in a restaurant or in a plane and then we hear them tell us that we can we can too and indeed should do what they do and then we freeze we know we can't do what they do and we feel bad because of it do you ever feel that way do you ever watch and you hear a story going oh i'd love to be able to do that but that has never happened and I've heard those stories, and you go, oh, yeah, I want to be like that. Um, I remember when I was in high school, and this guy was sharing about a mission team they took over. And again, God was involved in that process, and he was telling the story about someone who became a Christian at the start of this three-week process, and by the end of it, they were, they were talking to people on the street, and the translator was tra- couldn't keep up with all the people wanting to hear about Jesus, and they're all flowing to him, and I go, oh, wouldn't that be great to see? Are we all meant to be like little Billy Grahams? Billy Graham was by far God's gift to the last generation. He was a man that stood up and he proclaimed the word of God and he, people responded to that. And again, 
what we need to realise that some are gifted to be evangelists. And where does that gifting come from? Bible college. Being a part of a particular church. Reading your Bible lots. Reading your Bible in multiple languages. Sort of knowing every single answer to every single question that we ask. No, being a gifted evangelist comes from the fact that God has gifted you that way. And see, both Paul and Peter throughout um, the, the Gospels encourage the churches to share their faith. And the Bible presents, though, a two-pronged approach to evangelism. And, and so I want to look at those two prongs today. It's going to probably change our thinking over what we should be doing a little bit. Um, so firstly, evangelists should be bold. That's the first point. Basically, Paul sort of makes a claim that, yes, evangelists should be bold. They should be proclaiming the word of, word of God. And, and the thing is, we have this little line that comes with it, and we're all called to be gifted evangelists. Well, the Bible doesn't quite get it. We'll look at that in a second. Um, and so there are certain people in the church who are gifted evangelists, and Paul obviously places himself in that same category. You watch him through the book of Acts. He will go from one place to the next. And what does he do? He tells people about Jesus. And he's got such a great story to tell. And he, he was willing to face opposition. He's willing to face persecution because he wants to do that. But evangelists should be bold. And, and, and it seems Paul thinks gifted evangelists could be either local um, like it says in, um, in Timothy 4 and 5, it says, he says to Timothy, do the work of evangelists, he says to Timothy. And so Paul is in that position where he, um, Timothy has also got that same gift and he's sharing on at a local level. Um, or, or you could be translocal like Paul is. Paul, everywhere he went, he was an evangelist. He told people about Jesus. He took that most of that opportunity. He would go from Ephesus to over this place, to Rome, back over here. And everywhere he went, what was his purpose? To tell people about Jesus. He would do that. He, um, Paul also seems to think leaders in local churches, you see this in, in Ephesians 4.11, and what it brings up in that, it says that, um, so Christ himself gave, so straight away, that's the start of that verse, Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. He doesn't say one person can do them all. In fact, what we need to realize is that God actually gifts the church and each church will have all the necessary gifts to do the mission, ministry that is in front of them. But not one person is actually called to have all the gifts. Um, it's not that... God doesn't want us to be greedy in, in, in regard to that, but he wants the church to be the church. Um, and, and again, this may sound a bit critical, is that in our modern understanding of church, we have an idea that the person up the front does the work of the church. That is never what it says in the Bible. It says the person up the front of the church is to help the church do the work of the church. So my job is to help you to, to follow the gifting that God has given you. And again, that may, that may be way different. Like, so if God is not calling me to help you to preach. He might be to helping you to, you to be passionate about sharing your faith or living your faith out in a certain area. It might be we've got Sunday school teachers who are passionate about our children. That's fantastic. And so as a church, we are gifted to do these things. Um, 
And, and so Paul even sort of mentions the idea that local members, they may not even be leaders in your church, have a passion for sharing the gospel and it just comes so naturally to them. And they just like, it just comes up. And I don't know, have you ever been with some of those people? You're actually just, maybe you're, I've, I've had opportunities where I'm travelling with some other Christians and you're kind of like going, maybe you're just getting to know that person or you just know them, you know them already and you kind of just want to chill out maybe on a flight, just chill out and we're sitting, someone ends up sitting with you on the, in those three rows in the airplane and they go, I'm going to talk about Jesus with them. I'm going, oh, I just, I just wanted to take it easy this flight. I didn't really want to do it and they just go, but I, I can't not help. The, the person there, they're locked in for that next two hours. I'm going to do it. And, and so sometimes, like, there are people that share their faith that oh, they actually make me feel either, either embarrassed or awkward or, or ashamed that maybe I should be doing more. Um, and, and like, and going, well, this, this is not my conversation or what do I. So the thing is, there are people that are more passionate because God has gifted and made them that way. For these people, Paul asked his churches to pray for two things. He asked them to pray for opportunities that God may open a door for their message and to pray for clarity, that they may um, proclaim it clearly. And here is the challenge for our church. Have we identified, do we have people that are passionate about sharing their faith within our church who we are releasing, that we are encouraging? And, And saying, hey, how can we help you? What can we be praying for you this week? Hey, who have you shared your faith with? Who have you, what groups of people are you working with? How can we support you? And are we praying that those evangelists will be clear in the way that they talk about Jesus? But then we have a shift in thinking here. Because it, it doesn't appear that Paul believes all Christians should bear the responsibility for that kind of bold proclamation for which he has been called. Now, I've probably said it myself that we are all called to go out and and to be God's witnesses. And again, that statement is true. But if we lean to the heavy part of that, that we're basically saying every single minute of our life we should be proclaiming Jesus, well, that's what an evangelist would do, someone who's gifted in that way. And Paul's saying that not everyone is going to be an evangelist in that sense. It isn't a gifting of every believer. Otherwise, he would have encouraged the Colossians to pray for opportunities and clarity for themselves. Um, and in what they were doing. He doesn't, and he asks them something slightly different from them. And this leads us to look at Paul's second prong of evangelism. So it's still evangelism, but it's a different way. And so what does he think the rest of us should be doing to share Christ with others? So Paul calls evangelists to be bold, and secondly, the rest of us to be questionable. Now, before you think about that too much, you start looking around going, yes, there are some questionable people here, okay? Um, it's that, not that kind of questionable. Um, Paul said this, he said in, in Colossians 4, 6, he said, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, while Paul sees the gifted evangelists and seizing opportunities and proclaiming boldly the gospel, um, it appears he thinks the contribution of the average believer will make to evangelism is to answer the questions of unbelievers. We are to answer the questions that come our way. Now, the trick is, how do we get those questions? How do we become questionable people? That people look at us and go, I've got something to ask you. 
Well, Peter agrees with Paul's saying, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of your slander. We see that in 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. See, in Surprise the World, Michael Frost says, the believer's function was to pray like crazy and to conduct themselves in word and in deed in such a way as to provoke unbelievers to question their beliefs and enter into an evangelistic dialogue. Now, that's what happened with the early church. I'm not saying that the, the biblical early church, I'm actually saying the early church in the Roman Empire. Um, the early church was heavily criticised and questioned because of what they did. Now, this is the stuff they used to do. The early church actually called, got called atheistic because they only believed in one God, and there's many gods. You should be believing many gods, and, and, and if you only believe in one, it's atheistic. So they were, they were actually, early on, they were known as the atheists, which is kind of strange, but they, that's what they were known as. But what they would do, they went, well, there's a need in society. We will do something about it. So there would be a plague that would go through a town and the Christians would willingly go into that place and actually help the sick, put themselves at risk. They would give to the poor. And we see that even in the book of Acts where they say, we need to look after those in need. And so all of a sudden, the church was doing such a great job and building up such great favour in the community that the Roman leadership at the time saying, we need to do the same. So they were actually telling people to to go out and do good deeds as well so that they would, I suppose, put Christians in their place. The thing is, for Christians, they were motivated by their love for God and so they were quite willing to go and put themselves in places of risk and, and the extra effort. That, and so they, their character shone through and all of a sudden people were drawn to Christianity because people lived in such a way that was questionable. Why, why would you go help a person that by helping them you could die? Why would you do that? That's a questionable sort of person. So while evangelists are making the most of every opportunity, the primary contribution that the rest of us make is to answer questions that come our way. To be questionable, intriguing, surprising. Now, when I say surprising, again, if your brain's in anything like mine, sometimes you'll go into that place where, okay, no, got to get that idea out of my head. I don't mean wear a clown costume to work, Okay. I don't, don't sort of like, um, I'm going to sort of put a mohawk up in my hair and I'm going to go around doing that just so people go, why did you do that for? That's not the, really the questions I want people to ask you. Um, again, Michael Frost said, um, it's only when we're, we're surprised or intrigued that people ask questions. And so here's the central issue to consider um, that... If, if we are living like everyone else in the world, if we are living and we are complaining about what everyone else complains about, that we are struggling with what everyone else is struggling about, if we have worries like everyone else, if we are sort of upset by what upsets other people, and, and we, even if we are good like other people are good, we just are like everyone else, and there's really no questions for us. So what's so intriguing about our lives that will make people ask questions? So we're going to bring those two prongs together. So the evangelism is to be bold, and then we've got, are we meant to be questionable? And so all of a sudden what happens with that is that they become like two blades of a pair of scissors. Have you ever tried to cut paper with half a pair of scissors? Like, just imagine it. 
Like, unless you've got one of those super... Like, every now and again you see those knife-sharpening ads and they drop a piece of paper and falls apart. But most of us, our scissors are probably half blunt or sticky by cutting through something. And if we only had one blade of a pair of scissors... Like, I've got a pair of scissors at home. They've got two blades that I don't work. One pair would... One blade is not going to help. We actually need both blades to be working. And this is the biblical model for evangelism. Um, is to identify and equip and immobilize, uh, mobilize our gifted evangelists um, and then to inspire believers to live questionable lives, lives by which people will ask us questions about what we are doing. Maybe you get the question, why do you go to church on a Sunday? Anyone have that, that question? So, yeah, well, and that's, the thing, well, that's, that's one of the questions you have because, again, we give up time on a Sunday morning. Some people go, oh, that's my time to sleep in, that's my time to go to the beach, my time to do this. All of a sudden we're saying we are making a commitment to be here and so people can ask us that question. What did you do on the weekend? Or this is what I did on the weekend. I, I went along to this, I went along this, I had an opportunity to meet up with other believers in the church or everywhere, whatever way you want to put that. And people can ask questions about that. If all believers are leading the kind of lives that evoke questions from their friends, then opportunities for faith sharing abound and chances for gifted evangelists to boldly proclaim are increased. So when the church is actually living questionable lives, those who are gifted evangelists actually have greater opportunities. See how it's working together? Scissors working together? Again, Michael Frost said, I think gifted evangelistic leaders bear the responsibility to equip their congregations, but that opportunities for faith sharing will emerge from questioning unbelievers. Gifted evangelistic leaders should be training their congregations to speak about Jesus conversationally when questioned. And, and when they're, um, so that they contribute to the greater social good. So my question for you is, how questionable is your life? Like, is it, does it stand out in any way? Does your faith make you different? Um, like, I suppose when we talk about some of the things that, like, Jesus talked about, we were meant to be light and salt. Both those things, they add something to our life. If you're light, then, okay, um, New Year's, I think it was New Year's Eve this year, um, we just had some rain, and we had, uh, had some friends over and the lights were on, and for some reason, all these bugs invaded our house. We'd never seen anything like it before. We ended up having to turn lights off in most of the house and sit and talk with our friends in reduced lighting because they were falling off the ceiling like onto our food. It was just crazy. But what does light do? It attracts. So if we're living out God's light in our life, we will attract people to our lives. If we are like salt, we're adding flavour. We're per, uh, preserving that around us. And so all of a sudden, we bring flavour to what we do. We bring flavour to our workplace. We bring flavour to our neighbourhood. We bring flavour in what we do. Now, if, if we as Christians are known as the cranky, judgmental people, that's not the flavour that we want to be bringing. And so we, again, we need to be standing up against things, but we need to be standing for things. And we need to be sort of, again, expressing the character of Christ through the way that we live. Um, so, so how questionable is your life? And I suppose that's where I want to go to. And, and this idea of being living a questionable life, we're going to look at over um, a number of weeks. And, and as we do that, um, Michael Frost actually suggests five ways or habits that we can live more questionable lives. Uh, but today I just want to look at one. So 
So, and we'll look at the others in the coming weeks. So the first habit that we can have to, to live more questionable is through blessing others. And again, I don't know if you've grown up in the church, but I've heard that word quite often, like that we, we need to be a blessing or I've been blessed. And sometimes, like, I, I even remember um, kids would go to high school camp when I was in high school and come home and they'll ask to give a bit of a share about what happened at camp. I was blessed. And again, it just seemed like the word to say. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's like if we were asked what did blessed mean, we were like, not really sure, but I'm pretty sure I'm blessed. And again, blessed means it's, it's, there is something that happens in our life that brings something of goodness to us. Um, and way back in the old English, it comes from the term to add strength to another's arm. To add strength to another's arm. So to bless another is to build them up, to fill them with the, the encouragement for them, for them to increase in strength and prosperity. Um, so when we bless others, we surprise them. And in our busy world, when people are running from one thing to the next, the simple decision to add strength to another's arm is intriguing. Why? Because most of us are taught to live for ourselves. And again, I think as Christians, like there are times, I don't know if I should be saying this to the church, there are times when I go, do you know what? I can't go help that person. I've got things I've got to do. Or I'm too tired. Or I just can't deal with them today. So, now, if I don't answer your call this week, that may not be the reason. Might be, but it may not be. So, but, but the thing is, sometimes we feel, we, we just worry about ourselves and what we're going through. And it's, it is really a strongly encouraged attitude in our world. I still remember really uh, clearly there was an insurance ad. I don't, it might have been 20 years ago. So this is, this is the idea that's been around for a long, long time. And the way that the ad went was sort of like talking about life insurance. And the way that the ad finished was... For the most important person in the world, you. And, and like as an ad, you go, oh yeah, that's right. I am special. I'm important. I need to look after myself. I need to buy your life insurance. That was the idea for it. But that attitude is that again, everyone is most important. Is the most important person to everyone is themselves. And so when we come to those two commandments, which is love the Lord your God, and what's the second one? Love your neighbour as yourself. So all of a sudden, when you actually go, I'm going to give up my time, I'm going to give up my resources, I'm going to give up this to actually be loving towards someone else, and I'm going to put them first, it, it surprises them, going, I don't know why you did that for me. That was amazing. And so when we bless others, we, we surprise them. And, and so there, are, there can be a number of ways that we can be uh, blessing people. But I just want to share a few with you today. And, and so there, there might be more that we talk about in coming weeks. And there might be something that you're even thinking about right now. You might even be thinking of a person going, do you know what? This is what I can do to bless that person. Great. Hang on to that idea because I've got homework coming today. So some of you are going, oh, no, he's asking us to go do something. Yes, I am. Um, it's coming soon. But one of the ways we can use words of affirmation. I, I, sometimes we can just use words. So words of affirmations are things that we deliberately, intentionally, actually seek to encourage someone. And there are many ways that we can do that these days because we not only have face-to-face, we have, uh, we've got these things, we've got these things, we've got, um, um, we can sort of write a letter for those who still know how to do that and, and know how to put a stamp on and know where the mailboxes are. There are a lot of different ways that we can encourage someone. We can write a card, 
Um, we, we can have people that have um, even, and this is one thing I thought about this morning, we could even have a look back at some of the prayer texts that Sarah have sent over the past few weeks and go, oh, I haven't really heard how that person went with that. Send them a text saying, how did that situation go? I've been praying for you. Or give them a call, even better, and do that in person. So the words that we use can actually sort of bring so much to people. Uh, Mark Twain said this, I can live for two months on a good compliment. I can live two months on a good compliment. And I think sadly, so many times we go through life not even expecting someone to say something nice about us. Like, does anyone work in a workplace where you feel underappreciated? Maybe you work in, uh, maybe you sort of in a home where you feel underappreciated. Um, like, the, the good thing in our home is our kids. <laughs> Mick, I th- are you moving in with me today? Like, <laughs> so. Okay, some questions you should answer, some you shouldn't, okay? Um, I want to teach people some wisdom. Um, but the thing is, like, at our home, every night the kids will thank. Um, um, whoever cooked dinner. Sometimes they're not even aware who's cooked dinner. So sometimes I'll get thanked and Elizabeth's done it and sometimes Elizabeth will get thanked and I've done it. Um, but the kids go, oh, but part of that, I think they're actually competing against each other to be the first one to say it. So even though it's a bit of a competition, they feel a little bit appreciative. Um, but having someone say thank you or you're doing a great job is a big deal. But added to that, this is why I said it, it's not just words of affirmation. Words can be important because taking time to talk to someone is a really important thing as well. Actually, giving up some of your time to invest in that person, say, dropping in and saying, or making that phone call, making multiple phone calls so you can get them on the phone, saying, hey, how are you doing? Um, I, I, there's a, a guy that I've been working with um, for, well, just, it's, it's been a slowly developing friendship. Um, and, and, and I've had opportunities to bless him and, and other times. And this past week, um, I was picking up some stuff and they, they said, oh, I've also got a, a slow cooker and a fry pan. Um, would you like to take them? And initially I went, nah, I've got those. Nah, I don't need it anymore. And but straight away, my, I wouldn't have been that too long. I said, oh, wait a second. I said, I work in a church. Do you mind if I take them? I can find someone to give them to through the church. They said, yeah, yeah, that's great. Anyway, I was struggling to find someone. I thought of this guy and... Um, he'd lost my phone number. So he hadn't, hadn't been in contact for a while, but I still had his and got through to him. And he was, he was blown away by the fact that I was actually even just thinking of him, that I, I actually considered to give him something. And, and, like, and, th- and this is the thing. I think sometimes I feel that sometimes our actions may feel insignificant, but for those who are receiving those, it is a big deal. Um, it is a big deal. And the fact that I sort of said, oh, I've got some things that someone gave to me. It hasn't cost me anything. And I was, I was struggling to find someone to give it to me. And, I, and his name came to mind and I followed that through. And, and to, to see him blessed in that way. I've even seen, again, you may be someone who's really good at this. And that's why I brought up the prayer text um, that Sarah sends out. But when someone, I've, I've had a few situations in the past few years where someone's been telling me a, a bit of a conversation and then two weeks later, I go, oh, how did that go? How was that situation gone for your work? And, and me, it's just been that little, it's just popped in my head. I should ask him about that. I haven't been, I don't think I've been doing a great job of being, of being really interested in life. It's just happened. And, and, and then you've heard back to saying, 
that really blew them away that you know, I, was, I actually was considering what they were going through. Um, and, and so it's just asking people how did that happen in, in how did we're well, praying for that how did that work out for you people can be blown away by that kind of stuff and so to actually take time to hear what people are saying to you and then to, to revisit that can be a, a major way that we can bless people so words words of affirmation um, acts of kindness bless others by doing them a favour or providing some kind of practical support um, it could be mowing a lawn um, it, and, that, and again, this is where our giftings begin to shine because, again, God does not call everyone to stand in this space in the church because the work of the church happens where? Everywhere. The work of the church happens everywhere. And so it could be cooking a meal. It could be baking a cake. It could be making some biscuits. It could be inviting someone for coffee and, and just saying, hey, I'm going to shout your coffee, let's go and catch up. So all of a sudden using acts of kindness and words of affirmation to actually be a blessing. Um, and so that can be an amazing thing that you can do. You could babysit. Any parents want some babysitting done? No, no parents want babysitting. Like, Bert, were you putting your hand up then? Okay, so, so Alison, I'm not sure what he's saying. Okay, so again, Bert, are you staying at my place tonight too? So, um, uh, oh, I've got to have a word to some of these people afterwards. But, but it could be, it could be like um, helping someone move. It could be cooking a meal. It could be driving people to appointments. Some people just don't have access to cars, and and, and some of us have two cars, we, and we just don't think of that because we're sort of so caught up in our world. And then we've got gifts. Now, I'm not sort of saying, okay, let's like be Oprah to everyone. And going, okay, everyone here, you get a brand new piece of fruit for morning tea. That's about all I can, well, probably can't get a bit meat pies. You probably got meat pies for everyone if you want one. But the thing is, it's not, I'm not talking about being crazy, but it might be just saying, again, it can be something of encouragement to people. It can be buying a book saying, hey, I thought this would be a real encouragement to you. It could be, in giving a gift, it could be providing a need that they have. Um, oh, my, someone's microwave is just blown up. Hey, I've got a spare microwave at home. If you ever have a mower go, Bert, you've still got a ton of them at your place. So mowers are at Bert's place. Um, but, but the thing is, we could gift something to people. And again, with the idea to be a blessing. To be a blessing. So here we come to homework. Okay? Now, some of you are like Mick and Bert, you're already behind. So you probably have to do extra this week. Um, but... Michael Frost in his book, he actually urges people to undertake the challenge of blessing three people every week, at least one of whom is a member of your church, and at least one person is not a member of your church, and then for the third person you get to choose. Um, now, again, if you bless three people outside the church one week, that's okay. I mean, you're not going to get in trouble for this. But do you think you could do that, to actually see it, be intentional about who can I bless this week for the purpose of being a blessing? Because this is the thing. You've got to remember why you're doing it. You're actually wanting to become like what Paul talks about in Colossians so that you're ready, so you can become questionable. Um, so that people will be wanting to ask you questions about why you're doing that. But don't do it to get a response. Don't do it. So some people, they give and they want people to say thank you. Oh, oh thank you so much for what you're doing. Oh, like, oh, you're the best person in the world. And you sort of, oh, yes, I think I am. Oh, I did do a great job today. Like, don't do it for the your pat on the back. Do it to be a blessing. Don't do it 
to appease the pastor who's going to check up on your homework. Okay? Like, don't do it for that reason either. And don't tell him you're doing that for that reason. Oh, my pastor said I've got to bless someone this week, so I'm here to do that so he doesn't get on my case next week. Okay? Because, that, again, that won't make them feel very good. Okay? Um, and don't, because, don't do it because you don't want to look slack. Like, so next, over the next few weeks, the people say, oh, this is who I've had an opportunity to bless. I'm going, I better do something myself, otherwise I'm going to look really, really lazy. None of those reasons are good enough. None of those reasons are the right reason. God asks us to be a blessing so that we are ready and are inviting questions about faith, about why we live the way we do. So would you pray with me that God would reveal three people to you that you could bless with either words, an act of kindness or a gift, or maybe there's something really specific in your mind that's come to it. That's great. And again, you might think of something, you go, hey, maybe I could tell other people about this. And remember the words of Paul and Peter um, we, read, we read earlier. They said, in our dealings with outsiders, we should be wise, full of grace, seasoned with salt, gentleness and respect. When we do this, people will be intrigued by our motivations. Because again, the world is... Okay, I will say this quite clearly. The world is anti-church at the moment. The world as a, as a collective group. Because they think the church is like this. And I remember very clearly there was a, um, I don't even know what the band was, but there was a, a heavy metal band and they probably, some of their lyrics weren't that great and, and the churches were concerned about their impact on society and some of them were boycotting the band and saying we shouldn't have it here. And one church decided to do it a little bit differently. Again, they probably didn't agree with the content the band was having, but these young people had to line up for a long time to get tickets and to get into the concert. So this church said, how about we just go serve them water and cold drinks? They're standing out there and we'll just stand and have a shade, uh, stand, maybe provide some shade of an umbrella or, or something. Let's be a blessing to them. We actually see something very common. Um, um, Red Frogs is uh, a chaplaincy service to um, um, kids who go on schoolies. And that's, they go out and hand out Red Frogs. They, they help people who are sick. They make sure people are safe. And when opportunities arise, they'll share about faith but they are seeking to be a blessing to a need that they have. Um, uh, there's a, a book written called Discover Your Mission um, Now by Dave Ferguson, and he, he recounts there was two doctoral theses entitled Blessing, Blessers versus Converters. And the researcher looked at two teams of short-term missionaries. So, like, um, you have a, a missionary team that goes into a country and... Um, one of them had the purpose of, we're going to go and share our faith and bring as many people to Jesus. One of them had the purpose of, we're going to go in and be a blessing and, and sort of bless the community that way. So very two different, again, good, both good reasons. I want to see people come to know Jesus. That's a good reason for going. Um, but they, they, one was just to be a blessing. One was just to go um, uh, be a converter. Um, the team referred to as the blessers went with the intention of just simply blessing people. They saw their mission to, as to bless whoever came their way in whatever practical ways they could. Um, on the other hand, the converters went in with the sole intention of telling people about Jesus and hopefully they would actually respond to that message. The researchers found that the blessers had almost 50 times as many conversions as the converters. So it's not to say that through blessing people that we don't have a conversation about Jesus. So don't, so don't leave it there like, I've just got to go do nice things to people and they'll find out about Jesus. The purpose of being a blessing, 
The purpose of being questionable is so that people will ask us questions. Now, some of you are going back to your homework right now. I don't want people to ask me questions. I don't have the right answers. I'm not going to do my homework. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But go out and be a blessing. And people, the thing is, when they ask a question, you've only got to answer that question. It's not like you've actually got to change the world with that answer. Sometimes when we try and be the evangelist, we want to have all the answers right and we kind of have our spiel and it's like those telemarketers that you get on the phone who don't take a breath. We become like them. We want to sort of just get our pitch out and um, will you buy what, what I'm selling right now? But if they have a question, they might think about an answer and go away and come back a month later with another question. We've just got to answer that question that happens. When we live unexpected lives, which clearly includes the blessing of people around us, we'll find ourselves being questioned by others. And then we have the best opportunity for sharing the hope of Christ within us. If someone says, hey, why do you go to church? Do you know what that says? They're already interested. They're already interested. They've already noticed something about you. And the thing is, it's not about saying, hey, you need to live this way or do this or do that and, and give money or, or, or these are the rules you need to follow. It's answering that one question and so that they may respond, that you may respond to that. So what's your homework this week? To bless three people. So one, one at the church, one outside the church, third one can be either one. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an extension. Since I'm not here this week, I'm going to give you two weeks to do that so you get an extension on your homework already now if you want to be um get well it's not for a gold star because that's the wrong motive but um if you want sort of to 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 continue to be a blessing you might want to do three this week and three next week um and again it may be something that like as people are struggling to do that again be an encouragement to those people saying hey this was an idea that god gave me maybe you could do that with someone else in your life um it might be even something that okay do you know what Maybe I drag someone else to me and we, we both be a blessing to this person. We'll do it together. Tag team. But aim to be a blessing over these next weeks so that we can become more questionable and people will ask us questions of faith as we live for him. So I'm just going to take a moment to pray. Lord, I, I thank you that you equip your church um, fully to, to, to meet um, the mission that you have put in front of us. I thank you for those who are passionate and gifted in sharing the gospel. Um, I thank you that, that there, are, there are those of us who are just called to live in a questionable way so that people are drawn to ask us questions about you. And in that, Lord, I, I pray that, one, that we are willing to be that blessing, um, that we will see people around us, that we are willing to, to touch their lives and to encourage them uh, through our words, through our, our actions, through our, our gifts to them. But I pray also that um, when those questions do arise, that we are willing to share them, to share our story of God in our lives, to share our story of what Jesus has done throughout history, throughout our history, the transformation he has made, the help he has given, the strength he has been, the foundation on which we, our lives are built upon and the future that we have in him. Lord, I, I pray that yeah, this, this will start a process for, for our church that we are willing to just bless people for the purpose that they would ask questions. Maybe not even ask, maybe of other Christians. So may we live in a way that just we become that salt and light for people around us. We pray this in your name.